I'm in my car. I'm high as a kite. I'm listening to rock and roll. Action! And there's the chip. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> and welcome. This is our second episode of our podcast where we're revisiting the works of Matthew McConaughey. And when I say works, I mean just those romantic comedies that everyone knows about. The works that led to an Oscar, really. <laughs> yes, where the, where the signs of those greatness was, you know, bubbling under. Uh, <laughs> Bianca, do you want to tell people what film we're reviewing or talking about today? Yes, we're talking about one of my all-time favourites, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, one of the only movies I've ever liked with Kate Hudson in it. <laughs> Hi, Andy Anderson from Composure Magazine. Our resident how-to girl. I want to read about things that matter. What are you working on now? How to lose a guy in 10 days. I could start by dating a guy and then drive him away. Doing everything girls do wrong in relationships. I can sell myself to any woman. I'd like to see you prove that. You would. Make a woman fall in love with you. You're on. So who's the lucky girl? That was the trailer for How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. And Kate Hudson, come on, she's been in other sort of good things, right? I don't Name know if one. I've seen them. <laughs> Almost Famous, was that? Was she in that? Oh, uh, yeah, I, mean, I guess yeah. so. She was all right in that. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking yeah. more her rom-com stuff. Yeah, don't ask me to name two. Bianca, <laughs> do you want to tell people what the premise of this film is and, you know, what it's about? Okay, so How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is about uh, a reporter, reporter, columnist, who works at a women's magazine who writes a how-to column. And she gets talked into writing this how-to column about all of the things that girls do to fuck up their relationships. So her aim is to lose a guy in 10 days because that's when deadline is. I mean, it sounds good in the title, but it's really just about the deadline, I'm pretty sure. But uh, anyway... Uh, basically it comes down to her choosing a guy and the guy that she chooses just happens to be in a bet to make a girl fall in love with him so that he can win an account. So, you know, hilarity ensues as she tries to lose him and he tries to keep her. So far we're kind of two for two in terms of people getting into romantic entanglements to try and land accounts. I know. (laughs) Only this time it's the guy. And actually it's probably justified that because he works in an advertising agency. So I feel like they do have accounts as opposed to wedding planners. Really? You think it's justified? You think that what his boss puts him up to is completely legal? No, I didn't say that. I said that he actually (laughs) can win an account as opposed to a wedding planner. I'll Um, get to that later. I'll get to my comments on his boss allowing this to happen later. (laughs) <laughs> so that's so that's the title, like you said, which is. And uh, can I confess that I had no idea what this film was about, having heard about it and known about it in pop culture all my life. I just didn't understand that title, and <laughs> I didn't understand that it was a play on those women's mag titles. Cause yes, I've never read one, but and Says I just you. sort of thought, yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, the title was sort of weird and confusing for me. But you got it straight away. Well, I've watched this 500 to 600 times, so (laughs) I can't remember the first time I watched it, but uh, I think it's quite cute. So it's like, instead of, it's like the opposite of what a romantic comedy is meant to be about, right? They're meant to be about how to like keep a guy rather than how to lose one. I thought it was quite a cute little play. Yeah. So I thought this film was actually 
I hate to say it, but I thought it was pretty good. And <laughs> it is... Damn it. The... The... The premise, the like the first, the starting thing, like what you just explained, and one guy, like the coincidences that need to happen to make this story happen, are kind of the painful bits. But once it gets started, it's a really great little slapstick screwball comedy about two people, kind of wanting different things, but kind of wanting the same things, and then just torturing each other, which is very clever. Yeah, I I kind of like that she has a bit more agency in this than J Lo did in the Wedding Planner, right? And I guess that's because she's not trying to keep him. She's trying to lose him. But um, the thing I did like was that they were a little bit more three-dimensional than the last film that we, uh, we looked at. <laughs> yeah, I, and you, can, you know that because uh, their names are memorable. You know, well, Andy their names Anderson, are so you know? real-sounding. Andy Anderson yeah. and Benjamin, what's his last name? Benjamin oh, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, Barry, Benjamin Barry, Andy Anderson, yeah, Benjamin, Benjamin Barry. Oh, so lame. I mean, at least she could at least have the excuse of a pseudonym because she's a writer. I doubt that's her real name. I feel like she's just using it as a fake, like, byline. But at least they're kind of real. Not If they're not realistic characters, they're at least memorable characters. Yes. Know, um, Kate Hudson in particular is, you know, really, really quite wonderful in the role. But look, tell us about the... Let's run through it. What moments did you like in the film? Or what moments do we want to talk about? Okay, so we open with all the how-to columns that Andy Anderson has written. So uh, in the opening credits, we've got, you know, how to get out of a ticket, how to, um, you know, uh, lose weight. um, And, you know, she has a gym one and stuff like that. So you get this feeling that um, her columns are pretty light. I mean, she's working for something called Composure. So I guess that's like a take on um, Cosmopolitan or something like that. But all Andy Anderson really wants to do is write political columns about finding peace in Tajikistan. I mean, it's so stupid, this idea that they open with, that she's a political writer. So my question is, why did she start working at Composure in the first place? Right? Yeah. Did she like start working at Composure in order to write political columns? Like, and if she was a political writer at uni, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't have pursued a job at Composure. It just seems like a really odd premise to make her look intelligent. Her her list of things that she wants to write about are things that matter, like politics and the environment and foreign affairs. That is what, yeah. that is her list. All things that should definitely be in a women's magazine. And really, really specific as well. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, peace in T- Tajikistan or however you say it. <laughs> this is still the painful territory for me. This making, uh, yeah, making the, the story come together and her motivations. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, also, like... On a side note, the, um, the the jobs that they always give women in these movies, so it's always, like, something that has to be, like, iconically feminine. Do you know what I mean? Like, they never go, like, down the Bond route and make them a chemical engineer or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, okay, so she's a woman. She has to be a wedding planner, a nurse, a female columnist at a women's magazine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it always has to be, like, a, a women's... Um, kind of traditional role but yet 
they're, they've got to be smart as well. So they're always trying to like break out of it or become a partner or, you know what I mean? It's always like, oh, I don't like being in this women's role that I'm stuck in because I'm a woman. I want to write about Tajikistan. Yeah, there's, there's always this, well, not always, but there's a lot of subtext in these films where it is work, people going for work success, but what they're really looking for is love success. And it's kind of it's a very interesting thing the workplace this is a this is a very workplace screwball comedy as well you know the the work and the co-workers and all those things are really play a part of what it is yeah they actually do um this time around they it really is set in the workplace really which is interesting yeah definitely now let's let's talk about her her and his oh we haven't talked about him yet why is he in this bed Okay, so, you know, obviously she has has to save her friend at work from being written about, from being turned into one of those, like, reader letters that get gets written in. Her friend gets dumped and uh, the editor's like, write about it. So Andy steps in to save her friend and her privacy by saying, I'm going to write this column, right? How to lose a guy in 10 days, how to do all the wrong things that you can do. He, meanwhile, is in an advertising agency and he wants to win a diamond client. But, oh, lo and behold, he's the sports guy. He's the one selling Nerf balls. And he wants to break out of what he's doing too, which is quite interesting because they're both trying to do the same thing. Yep. So they're both trying to like break out of whatever they've been like stuck in their whole lives in their uh, workplace. But anyway, so... Uh, in order to prove that he can sell diamonds, he is told that he has to show that he can make a woman fall in love with him. I'm not sure what the like comparison is between making a woman fall in love with you and selling diamonds. Is it just this idea that diamonds are an engagement tool? Well, they, they, they get a great pains to try and do this explaining of it, which is something along the lines of like women like lust after chocolate but they love diamonds or something like that i'm probably paraphrasing paraphrasing wrong and again it's just i don't know women women lust after diamonds <laughs> <laughs> okay uh but again it's just this painful painful way of just giving him the motivation to do this thing rather than it makes no sense it makes no sense i think you know you have to just turn your brain off at this point and go sure <laughs> so yeah, this is all very weird. Like the premise is very weird for him specifically. For her, it makes sense. It's like she's got to come up with a column idea every like month or whatever. This is her latest column idea. It's a women's magazine, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, obviously we need to talk about why on earth the boss of their ad firm would allow his employees to make decisions for him via dating competitions. <laughs> yes, that is awesome. And also the the women that he's competing against that put that help sort of string this along that help choose Kate Hudson's character because they come sort of know about it they're kind of the, yeah so they work with him they're his competitors at this ad agency they're kind of the only bad guys in this film right they're the ones that bad girls really yes bad girls and and <laughs> like they're the villains of the piece kind of so they set up. Yeah, but that being said, though, they're setting him up because he's trying to steal their account. Like the boss says, you're the girls who do the luxury. 
Ben and his boys do the Nerf balls and the keggers. Like, that's their account. Like, they're obviously being given, like, specific. I, mean, I don't know how ad agencies are set up, but I'm pretty sure people get, like, types, right? So, like, some people do food, some people do fashion, whatever. So he's actually trying to steal their account. They, they've already been given it, right? So are they bad for, like, doing this to this guy who just waltzes in and says, oh, I deserve this account when he, like, doesn't understand anything about women, supposedly? Well, I guess we we will find out as the film progresses. I just like the fact that anyone over a certain age, and I'm talking about the boss here, but anyone over a certain age in these romantic comedies are always just sort of like quirky uncle type characters. It's like, oh, the boss will go for this quirky little down home, oh shucks, little bet thing to, you know. Yeah, like, ha ha ha, my company's biggest account can be decided over a petty bet between my employees. (laughs) (laughs) It's like when... um. 30 Rock and the country bumpkin guy takes over the entire GM sort of it's just yeah. it's just like it's just a parody of that right it's just there, there's nothing in the boss he's just there to be I'm I'm old and wise but kind of quirky and still fun which is everyone over the age of I don't know 55 60 in these films either that or he's just trying to get out of the fact that he's allowing a man to come in and steal the women's job he's like oh it has nothing to do with me it's a bet but anyway so the plot delivers this they're equally responsible thing like we had last time do you Mm -hmm. know what i mean i guess i guess this time around though they are kind of both equally responsible in the wedding planner they weren't that was just like some kind of weird plot device to make them both equally responsible so i at least in this one i do feel that they are equally like bad as yes. each other. Yes, they and they have equal agency. I mean, they're both going for something and they're both in each other's way, which is great screenwriting, really. And then on top of that, like we should also before we like kick into the actual plot stuff, talk about the elephant in the room, which is like setting up Andy Anderson as every man's dream, wet dream, really. It's like, oh, she's hot and she loves sports <laughs> and she eats burgers. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it annoys me that that even has to be said. Right? But she was, she had those sports tickets before the bet. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, so they're trying to create this character, which is like, oh, well, he has to like secretly fall in love with her, even though she's being crazy because she's hard and she loves sports and she eats burgers. Oh, she's the perfect girl, but if only she wasn't crazy. Right, I didn't pick up on that at all. But I guess now that you've pointed it out, it's the, I hate to keep bringing up other films, but there's the line in Gone Girl where she talks about having to go drink beer and watch Adam Sandler movies to try to be the cool girl. Yeah, totally. And yeah, this is, it's kind of, I don't know, is there a name for this in the way that there's a name for Manic Pixie Dream Girl? Is there just a sort of really convenient dude girl? Like all-American blonde sports lover <laughs> or something like that? It is like the like the jock guy's like wet dream, right? The hot blonde who loves going to basketball games or something like that, right? I've seen this several times before. It's like in SNL when the um, there's that like little sketch where they're talking about like, the perfect girl in the rom-coms have you ever seen that no and she's like oh i go to bed and i wear a jersey look at that it's like totally true (laughs) that whole i love sports so much but really i'm just trying to get a guy but anyway so should we kick into this plot so the idea is he's trying to win her over 
doing anything he can he can and she's trying to make him dump her doing anything that she can so it's very very clear and very 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 clean isn't it so we kick off and um we start with like the useless hysteric friend again and i just feel like maybe they should just get the same actress to play this useless hysteric friend every time i feel like that would be funny (laughs) if it was always the same girl it feels like it kind of is (laughs) so anyway andy anderson says oh you only dated the guy a week she says to her hysteric friend and yet like the whole basis of this is that she falls in love with a guy in 10 days so she's like judging this girl for the entire basis of the movie that is to come yeah, but I think that's the lesson that she learns, right? That, that that love can happen really quickly. And and it's not even 10 days, really. When it comes down to it, it's one sort of lunch and card game, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, but that's the point. It's like, don't you know every girl is like this? Even the capable work-focused ones, they can all fall in love so quickly. And it's like, no, that's not <laughs> actually true. But anyway, so the hysteric friend... Um, you know, on a side note, I'd, I'd like to point out that she goes to her apartment, right? Yes. She tells her that they've got a meeting in 15 minutes. Okay. So she's in bed. She's crying over this guy that she's like been with for a week that has broken up with her. Yeah. So they get dressed, do her makeup and hair, get in a taxi and get to work in 15 minutes. Okay. So if that's not a suspension of reality, then nothing is. <laughs> okay. Movie magic. She did it by montage. Like, so so obviously that just sets us up for the fact that reality is not going to be present for the rest of this movie. And then on a side note, she gets to her, like, meeting, right? And she pitches this political story to her editor. And it's like she's surprised and, like, bewildered at being rejected for this political story. Like, of course it was rejected. You work at Composure. And I just kind of feel like she should totally be fired by now. I wish I could get paid a full-time salary to write a column a month about whether blondes have more fun. Like, (laughs) I wish that that was my job. She's so ungrateful. And I just, I I love the boss, actually. I know she's meant to be like a mean boss, but I have, like, I love her throughout the whole movie. Is this like the wrong lesson that I should have been learning? We're going to talk about the lessons at the end, but uh, it was 2003. There was still jobs in publishing that people could uh yeah you know. jobs where you pay you write one column over an entire month and get paid full time yeah. but but like is the boss meant to be mean or are you meant to love her because i love her. again i think she's like the, the the matthew mcconaughey boss which is sort of stern but wise and quirky and so just yeah basically just a comic caricature i don't think she's the bad guy like i said those two women in the matthew mcconaughey's office is other other villains of the piece well i guess it's set, setting it up like oh why won't you let andy just write what she loves she's so smart and you're wasting her and it's like no she's doing her job she's being a good editor but anyway so that she's like i know i'll write this article about everything girls do that guys hate being clingy needing needy and obsessive And it's like, wait, so do girls love it when guys do that? I don't understand why that's one way. I'm not sure I want to date a guy that's clingy, needy and obsessive. Yeah, that is the other side of all this, which is, again, it just has to get to the point where where they're just fighting. Because if you look too closely at the idea 
and the article, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. I mean, I can teach you how to lose a guy in 10 seconds and not break her rules, you know, like, <laughs> you know, just basically bring up some racist stuff, you know, it'll be awesome. But that's why, but that's why she had to be set up with a guy who was trying to keep her, right? Because I guess the basis of it is that if he wasn't trying to stay, he would have been out. Yeah. So the only reason it works is because he's trying to stay, I think. Like, especially by midway through or halfway through, he's definitely just... And and it gets funnier by then. He just definitely is just not giving up and trying and just... And she starts getting bewildered. And that's when the film starts really working for me. Yeah. Well, so... I guess we've also got to talk about the guy friends before we kind of get into it. So the the guy friends, they're not much better than the girlfriends, can I just say. Uh, like, I mean, one of them is wearing a sweater vest and a bow tie. Like, I wonder if he's the geeky one. <laughs> and the other guy is is a really early hipster guy, you know, beard, yes, sort of, it, sort of like lazy kind of die. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> so, so, I mean, so you can't have two male best friends the same, you know. They always have to be different aspects of potential like you know paths for our main male character and my many my favorite thing about those friends is like you know how she so they go on there like you know they they go to this bar the uh evil girls that he works with at the advertising agency have previously been at composure for a meeting and so they know that andy anderson is trying to lose a guy so they they set ben up for failure essentially so they go out on this kind of uneventful date except for the fact that Andy asks him an obscure question as a justification to use him for a week and then treat him like crap for an article which is all's fair in love and war and he says yes so suddenly it's not her fault everything that comes after it right yeah so she leaves her purse behind um that night to ensure that he will call her the next day oh you've got you've got your purse here and blah 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 so speaking about the guy friends, right? Mm-hmm. There's this hilarious comment about there are many dark and dangerous things in a woman's purse that men should know nothing about. What is that? I'm confused. <laughs> are we meant to be keeping like a Horcrux in there or something? Like shit, I missed the memo about the dark and dangerous things that I'm meant to be keeping in a purse. Yeah. These guys have no idea about women, right? It's just like, oh my god, what's in a purse? Like, um, a wallet and a phone? I don't know. Like, what? Just an odd comment. They do panic a lot, those two guys, and they just sort of make things very frantic. They're not helping. No, not at all. So he finds these Nick's tickets, right? Mm-hmm. So, because she's such a sports lover, he finds two Nick's tickets. So he sends her a hundred roses with the caption, a hundred times more beautiful than a hundred roses. So, so basically the Knicks tickets are pretty valuable to him. More valuable <laughs> than getting laid, obviously, because I don't know what guy would spend that time and money without getting anything in return, right? So the thing I love about Andy Anderson in this movie is that the first thing she says when these roses arrive is he's in advertising, he can't help it. This means he found the Knicks tickets. She's clearly not an idiot. I love it. No, she's not an idiot. That's what, that's definitely, no, they're both not idiots. So I would say they do stupid things, but they're both not idiots. Yeah, but like, I mean, don't you think that usually in a rom-com, the girl would be like, oh my God, he's so sweet. And like, they would play it up like, oh, he's just trying to get the Knicks tickets, but she doesn't realise. She's just, like, impressed by all the roses. 
No, no, I agree. I agree. She she's, has a lovely cynical streak and, and losing that is kind of her story. Yeah. So he rings her up and she's like, oh, I'm going with someone else. And he replies, not anymore. What a dick. <laughs> yeah, like, that was what a do dick you move. mean not anymore? <laughs> she hasn't like, what if it's a date with another guy? What if it's like her mum who has cancer? Like he doesn't even ask who the other person is. He's just like, not anymore. You're going with me. I sent you roses, <laughs> bitch. I just paid for this. I got, a, I got a feeling that that was a Matthew McConaughey rewrite. He just went to the script writers and went, look, I can save you three minutes here. I can just go, it's Matthew McConaughey, not anymore. And you'll be going out with me. <laughs> I think you give him a lot of credit for rewrites in these movies. <laughs> That's how I imagine this whole situation works, right? He's, yeah. you know, he's like, he's like Tom Cruise. He doesn't do a script unless he gets some sort of rewriting. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, they go to the game and... It, you know, there's this the the soda shtick where at the last minute yeah. she gets him to run out and get soda, so he misses the final throw. And Can then... I say that the the game has some of the worst green screen CGI I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> they they don't they're nowhere near anything remotely looking like a sport, and they're just and but they've green screened a sport in the background. And it's just hilarious. Well, this is a rom-com. They don't have any sporting budget, right? No. No. And I guess it would cost a lot to, you know, set those cameras up on a, you know. But, yes, it was it was just some of the worst green screening I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's like a funny little shtick about her, like, enjoying the game just as much as him, but trying to pretend that she doesn't enjoy it. And then it continues yes. with the rom-com marathon, which is ironic. It's like... They're seeing a rom-com in a rom-com. Like, yeah. Okay, let's quickly go through the rom-coms and the rom-com marathon. Give me a quick yes or no about whether you like them or not. Or if you've ever seen them. Sleepless in Seattle. I have seen it. I wasn't impressed. <laughs> Fried green tomatoes. Haven't seen it. Mystic pizza. I actually watched this for the first time a couple of months ago. And it was pretty funny, actually. I didn't mind it at all. It was quite sweet in the end as well. When Harry met Sally. I mean, the best, clearly. The, the basis best. Of the best. All rom coms. This is what a rom com should be. Yeah, Sleepless in Seattle is fine. The other two I haven't seen. And when that movie marathon ends with When Harry Met Sally, the fact that he walks out of there as if he's had a bad time makes me go, well, you're, 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 you're just a dick. Like, well, no, come he on. Doesn't, he doesn't, though, because the reason they leave is because he gets punched. Oh, of course. <laughs> and the, Yeah, so he gets he gets punched because she, like, yells at the massive guy, remember? Yes. So, like any gentleman, he uses the opportunity that of getting punched to motorboat her creepily. Ah, oh, yes. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, as far as I'm concerned, every Matthew McConaughey movie involves him somehow finding a way to creepily lie on a woman's genitalia. Again, you know, he he gets these roles and he insists, insists on screen. Are you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you're saying that was yeah. a rewrite, are you? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. Like, there's, there's actually real precedent for this. Like, Robert De Niro apparently for years used to have a screenwriter who would write his dialogue in the movies that he was in to make him sound more snappy than everyone else. So you're saying that all right, all right, all right might not necessarily be Matthew McConaughey's work. I'm just saying there might be someone on Matthew McConaughey's <laughs> team, which is just the, the groin person who just goes, look, we really need a groin scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the creepy lying on a woman mm. scene. It's required. Uh, so after this, um, 
Can I just say on a side note that uh, the geeky friend gets all the good lines in this movie. I really feel like he gets some great lines. And one of them is the next morning when he goes, yeah, if I had a nickel for every time I get in a fight at the chick flicks. I just thought that was a brilliant <laughs> yes. little line. Yeah, there's some good wit here as well. I would, I would pay that. There's I some good that. witty lines, a few funny, funny moments. So they progress... They progress, it's, yeah, and they have to, of course, establish that she loves meat and she's a burger lover. So in order for her to prove that she's not the perfect woman and drive him away, she's a vegetarian, which is like so offensive to vegetarians. It's like, if you're a vegetarian, you're going to drive your man away. You better pretend you like meat. Okay, can I, can we, we should start talking about how... Like, whether, let's just assume that they're good on her side, whether or not the, like, because the waiting until he's cooked the dish completely and then serves it and then just to go, oh yeah, I don't eat this. Awesome dick move. Awesome. <laughs> like, just so wonderfully done. He's set up like, the game. And... He's got like, and you know, like, he, he hasn't like set up the game, like, as a, like, a bastard like oh i want to watch the game like they shared a first moment at a game she had nick's tickets in her bag he's trying to find a common interest here i mean it's not really his fault that he loves watching the game she this is what she's already set herself up for this and then she's all like oh no i want to go to a vegetarian restaurant a lesbian vegetarian restaurant and cry but she wanted to watch the game as well and does by going to the toilet all the time to watch the yeah, game yeah yeah but like the the what he feels is that she's come over to his house he's trying to share a moment between them cook her dinner be a nice guy set up the game and she's like nah i'm out it just doesn't make sense you'd just be like well why don't you want to watch the game now you <laughs> the entire basis of our relationship was over these Knicks tickets do you know what I mean? Like it's just a weird turnaround. But he can't lose her. That's the thing. So, the 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 thing I want to point out about Matthew McConaughey in that scene, and also you know for the next sort of little part of the movie, it, it's his appeal in these films is very much like what why Harrison Ford is famous was, you know, it was said about him that you kind of like watching Harrison Ford get punched, like it's funny and endearing, <laughs> and this. He's doing Harrison Ford, right? He's kind of going... It's kind of fun to watch this guy and his blustering attitude just get, you know, dick moves done on him. And it's hilarious. He's really good at being sort of, you know, punched in that sense. I guess he... uh, Do you feel like he deserves it? I feel like he doesn't deserve it. No, he doesn't deserve it. Yeah. He doesn't deserve it. But he... But I feel like Harrison just... Ford characters always deserve it because they're kind of like bumbling and, and grumpy. You know what sure. I mean? Like he's got that grumpy thing. You just can't do that to every male actor. Like there's something about him that is that sweet buffoonery that comes across, which is why you cast him in these films. I yeah, guess. yeah. He's like, he's almost like a well-meaning jock. He's not a jock jock. He's like a kind of nicer jock, like a sensitive jock maybe. <laughs> right. Okay, so they spend some time facing off from each other and trying to... Yeah, she she brings a bunch of soft toys, a comforter and a bunch of tampons to his house after three days, which is like, what the hell? Like, that's not even just clingy, right? That's just crazy. That's just flat out crazy. Like, I'm going to move into your house after three days? Yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, it's yeah, not, not, not as, pretty crazy. Not as, good as, not as good as the food in terms of dick move, but pretty good dick move. Pretty good. Yeah. 
It's just, but it's just like, I kind of feel like there are some moves in this where it's just crossing the line into legitimately like unstable psychologically that they don't really address. <laughs> yeah. You, see, I love the way you're like, nah, that's normal girls. That's what girls are like. <laughs> no, no. I just think, you know, I just think she is like, he's she's just starting at 10 like she's just going all out because she just thinks that she can lose this guy in like two days well yeah she does amp it up a bit i must admit and then she does the 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 best thing of the whole movie which is she buys a dog for them because apparently you can't you can just buy a dog to prank someone like like it's not like you have to keep it for the rest of your (laughs) life or anything you can just prank someone with a dog yeah it is that is a that's a terrible gift uh, she also buys that little plant. But then what's the worst gift? The worst gift has to be the family album, right? Oh, yeah. So on a side note, she comes in, she tells him that she used Photoshop at work all day to compose a family album of their composite faces to see what their kids would look like. Well, hello, this is why magazines are $12 now because she's getting paid a full-time salary to write a single <laughs> article for a monthly magazine and she's spending her days doing this shit. Like, this is why we're overpaying for magazines because this is what these people are doing. This is my assumption. Anyway. Again, I don't feel like that is as, as big a, for her thing, as big a cool dick move as the food, but yeah, it was pretty good. It was just creepy. But how is her... Like, how is his mum not like, who is this psycho calling me and asking me for photos of my son? Well, because as we learned from all (laughs) romantic comedies, that if you're unmarried over the age of 25, then your parents need to step in. Well, only for women, right? (laughs) If you're unmarried as a man, then you're just like trying out the field or something. No, no. Although there is that assumption that like the mothers are like, oh, why don't you settle down with a lovely girl? Well, that's when the tables change when there is, when we meet... Uh, Ben's family. That's that's something that I really noticed. Like, when did she suddenly stop playing the game? She was so focused, and then as soon as she got on that ferry, she stopped being a crazy person. Well, because the family sort of, I guess, you know, just wore her down. Or I, I also think part of no, it... she walks in there and she's not crazy. Like she had, she had some really like primo opportunities to embarrass him in front of his family. Right? Yeah. That could have been like her like ace dick move. She could have like walked in. She could have like done anything and he would have been like, You called my mom a bitch. We're breaking up, right? But she doesn't. Again, just she's like light racism. Normal. Light racism is how you win this battle on her part. But is it? <laughs> okay, cool. Just just light racism. Oh, and before we even get to that, I have to bring something up. Okay. We we haven't talked about the therapist. Uh, yes, that leads. They go to the therapist. That leads to this. Yeah. This is how we. This is how we get yeah. here. So the geeky guy. So there's a couple of like standard rom com touch points here. The geeky guy suggests they go to couples therapy because he has a shit marriage, mm-hmm. and the douche friend is like, "It's true. She hates him," and it's like always the friend with the shit marriage, like. Maybe the issue with McConaughey's character is that all his friends have settled down with people they hate and that's why he thinks marriage is shit. (laughs) But they go to the therapist and again, McConaughey is accused of being gay. What is this? What is this with rom-coms and accusing people of being gay? It's so weird. Well, yeah, I don't understand it either. Again, maybe it was 2003, different time. There was magazines. There was no iPhone. Who knows? (laughs) Um... (laughs) 
<laughs> and then the last one, like uh, the trio, the trio of rom-com touch points. Mm-hmm. He arrives at his house and he picks up his kids and he's like, oh, please, I'd love to change that diaper. I'm sorry. I don't know one single guy who's like stepping in like, oh, hands up. I'll change the diaper. Yeah, I'll get in there. That's just bullshit. Speaking of bullshit, like they're playing the game bullshit. I'd like to call bullshit on that change of the diaper situation there, personally. <laughs> I've changed friends' babies' diapers. I will say that. I love kids. but Yeah, but do you walk into a house and you're like, oh, me, I'll do it. Yeah. You know, depends who it is. <laughs> I'll, I'll help friends depends. bathe their babies and stuff. You know, get into it. I'm a family man. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> but you have kids, though. <laughs> well, not not multiple. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, you're, that... you're, like, familiar with this shit. You know what I mean? Like, you're not, like, some random single guy who's never been around kids who's like, oh, yeah, I'm in for the diaper. <laughs> it's always the guy, like... They always have to, like, paint them as, like, a family man. Oh, he's so sensitive because he likes changing kids' nappies. And it's, like, that's just, like, uh It annoys me because it's, like, that doesn't mean that he's not going to... Like, if a guy's, like, no thanks, I don't want to touch your baby's poo, doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad guy. <laughs> he just doesn't want to get there's in also there. One other, there's also one other thing in romantic comedies, which is some connection to animals and pets, which all, this film also has. Yes. So yes. back to family time, playing bullshit, and the family is so sweet and cute that she I think she kind of decides that she can't be awful to these people because they're so down home oh shucks gee good all around American yes yeah, so there's two know, things here so. there's the game of bullshit so we've got the metaphor we've got the grand metaphor right he can't <laughs> he he's the all-time winner of bullshit and yet he can't pick up her bullshit or can he i don't know like it's the grand metaphor in the scheme of things you know what i mean like oh he can't he can't pick out that she's lying no ha 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 and then they have the mother who's like you're the first girl he's ever brought home yeah which is like the oh but you're different <laughs> yeah i know they have to set up the you're different thing right so his mum with that line manages to get him laid which is good work <laughs> mom. that was That's her aim i'm sure so i i don't know if somehow that family helped set that up you know if that was another sort of <laughs> hey the the barry family does stuff together and they cheat other people together let's cheat the woman and just get her to you know it was a bit awkward, but it was fine. Well, she's held out, you know, she's a good girl, <laughs> she's held out. And so she just waits until he's in his family's house and does it in his family's house. I mean, that's a nice down-to-earth girl, right? Having sex in yeah. his parents' house. In... <laughs> it's a bit weird, but anyway. So yeah. the conclusion here after this whole visit, I feel, is that Andy feels bad before Ben does, right? Because he's still all in. They get home and he's straight into come to the work function as my girlfriend. He thinks he's all in, yes. He thinks he's all he's in. Still, he's, still, he's still all in. He's still trying to, like, mislead her. Whereas I feel like she already feels bad. And she's like, Ooh. oh. okay, yeah. So she's like, well, we'll see about day 10 on the stoop. And he pulls out a pair of Nick's tickets and goes, well, don't plan anything for day 13. And it's that a whole, like, ooh, will they go the, to day 13 or not? Will it last past day 10 or not? I'm, I'm thinking yes, but anyway, go on. <laughs> <laughs> 
So they're both getting set up to be exposed. His boss is there. Her boss is yep. there. Everyone's the two, there. The, the, yeah, the, the two girls are there. His friends are there. It's all gonna, it's all gonna happen. But before any of this happens, he comes to pick her up and like some kind of 14 year old girl, she stands up in front of him and does a little twirl, which is kind of gross. But anyway, <laughs> so they, they go to this event. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, for some reason they get up and start talking about, um, all of their problems and his penis on the microphones. Yes. Well, okay. This is, this is the scene where they have a very, very public fight on stage and they sing a duet of You're So Vain. And it's like the double reveal happens. Like they both find out that each other is leading each other on, but as if the public shaming is going to happen. Like, why would she embarrass herself when her boss is there? Why would he embarrass himself when his boss is there and his client's there? Like, it's so weird. Let's 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 go back a couple of steps. There's there's two things I want to point out here. One, just Marvin Hamlish is on stage, and Marvin <laughs> Hamlish is a fantastic composer that I like. Being a music snob, he actually wrote a different Carly Simon song. Uh, nobody does it better, but he's great. Uh, but the best friends, Matthew McConaughey's, Ben Barry's best friends in, in this scene are just awesomely terrible. They get told that, oh, she's in on it too. They get set up. Yeah, they get set they up. They get set up from the evil girls. But the dialogue that they do, they're like, you know, they, they get told that Kate, that Kate Hudson and Andy Anderson is in on this. And so they go up to her and they go, hey. Can you just pretend not to know every single detail of this plan and this movie so far, which we will explain to you now as if you already know it. So let's just keep talking and explain the whole thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> for two people who have been mistrustful of the two women that they're competing against the entire time, they're very trustful of being set up on this uh, particular occasion, which seems a little at odds. It's like uh, you're competing with these two girls and then suddenly you're like, oh, she already knows. Okay, well, we'll go over and assume that that's true and not even suss it out at all. So basically, they're ter in my, my opinion, they're terrible friends and almost too stupid to live as well. So just idiots. <laughs> that's your conclusion about all, all friends. <laughs> so, so far, there's, there's always one or two. Uh, but yes, so they have their little tiff on stage. They and... fight. She walks off and it's, it seems like it's ended. So she goes into work and she's like, I can't write this article. And her boss is an awesome badass bitch and goes, well, why can't you write this article? Is your computer broken? Which is my favorite line of the whole movie. Great line, <laughs> great love. line. She doesn't care. She's awesome. <laughs> and she's like, do you see any insignias or badges on my outfit? That's because I'm not your Girl Scout leader. You'll do it because you're a professional. Yes, exactly. This is work. No one gives a shit about your little, like, fight with your boyfriend. Like, it's just so weird. And it's like, she ends up quitting. But seriously, what did she think was going to happen? That her editor would be like, yes, you're right. Let's do war coverage in a women's fashion magazine. Like, that was never going to happen. It just seems so stupid that they've set this whole thing up to be like, she honestly believed she would be able to, like, cover, like, civil war in Rwanda in composure again it was politics environment and foreign affairs let's just make that clear <laughs> yeah sorry sorry yes <laughs> i've written <Generally>. that down <laughs> just all those yes. things one article about all of so them so then she's at home so. uh watching the knicks game so then, then neither of them go to the knicks game in the end and the crazy friends with her and the guy she tortured comes back and wants to be with her 
Where did this come from? Why did this happen? She rang him supposedly every like 20 times in the middle of the night. She cried when they had sex. She did all these like weird things. And then he, he comes back and like begs her to be back. Like that just seems so stupid and odd and, and is a terrible lesson for women watching this movie essentially. Yeah. Was there a subplot that was cut out? That's what that felt like. Yeah, totally. Cause there was like no lead in for that. There was no reason for that yeah. even happening there. No. I, I didn't really get the point of it. It just seemed an, a little tack on at the end to be like, see, you can be crazy yeah. and a guy will love you. <laughs> yeah. And the filmmakers obviously realized that they're making a romantic comedy. Let's not do something. <laughs> too complicated it's too complicated for our audience to follow <laughs> yeah, yeah no no it's not the point it's not the point of what we're doing here so where are we now where we, we, we come down to the same thing again which is the race to catch her in the traffic oh i'm so like so many questions here why didn't he just call her she has a phone <laughs> but no he drives in on a bridge next to her and starts pounding on her fucking window like a psycho Instead of just being like, bring, bring, oh, hey, don't leave. Hold on, once again, we are in 2003. People would have been using a Nokia, I don't know, uh, 3310 maybe, if he was really advanced. Oh, I, I'm I'm pretty sure he could make calls on it, though. <laughs> like, I do remember 2003. <laughs> but, you know, you're right. He doesn't call her. Uh, but can I also, there's, there's a couple of things I, I want to quickly say. One is, uh, the music in this film is pretty good. And, again, it just compared to the last film that we talked about, The Wedding Planner, where they just didn't give a shit about these sort of things and made it a bad film. Uh, well, but you're, are you saying that Love Don't Cost a Thing isn't one of the best, <laughs> like, pop music phenomenons of all time? <laughs> oh, well, look, it, it, is, it is pretty good. But there's some really, really great songs in this film and the chase scene is soundtracked yes. by the Gin Blossoms, Follow You Down. Yeah, great song. Great song. Except great song. the subtext of this is a problem. Do you know why? Wow. I'll follow you down wherever you go as long as it's not too far. <laughs> right. Well, we didn't even get we didn't even, we didn't even get to uh, frosting yourself. So let's just uh... like <laughs> like as if if you get to the airport, that's too far. But if I catch you on the bridge, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we so then it all comes down to um, one word. I feel this whole movie comes down to one word. And she goes, no, I'm going to Washington to follow my job. I didn't really love you anymore, whatever she says. And he delivers one of the best lines of his, like, all right, all right, all right, style career. He goes, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> his accent when he says it is just so funny. It's like full-blown McConaughey. Do you reckon, like, props. Do you reckon that was the audition scene? That was just like yeah. all the studio execs sitting around going, okay, here's where we are. We're on a bridge. She's walking away. How are you going to deliver this line? And just, you know, yeah. knocks it out of the park. Just walks but out. we see yet another repeated motif, right? The quirky reference. He loves her because there's a reference to some like moment that they had at some mm-hmm. point in their That's lives a, together. That's what so, these films are about. And the last one, just to wrap it all up with uh, the same lesson that we always learn, which is you have to choose between work and a man. So she does. Well, actually, she doesn't. He chooses for her. He closes the taxi door, gives him money, and tells her that that's what's going to happen. 
Good work, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Well, well also, done. her plan to get new employment wasn't great. Well, she's going for an interview. Good on her. She's got an interview at a political magazine, I assume, in Washington or something. But no, no, too bad. <laughs> too bad. McConaughey's <laughs> stepped in. He's stepped in. Composure's politics arm, probably, is based in Washington. Yeah. <laughs> just feels like... Yeah. Exactly. So I, I got a few lessons. Should we wrap up with some lessons, Danny? Yes, what did we learn from this film? Well, I've got I've got two lessons here. I mean, we talked about a couple of lessons throughout, but I have two main lessons. One is that being a complete psycho sufficiently makes your normal self appear better to your potential suitor. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, that always so works. That always it works. efficiently lowers expectations so that then when your normal self appears, it seems awesome in comparison. Yep. Great. I feel like this is a great tactic to win a man over, maybe. Like, just be a real psycho at the beginning. Then when you're normal, they won't think you're crazy. Because we never learn the consequences of these relationships. and But for this one, you just sort of go, well, they're going to be, you know, he's going to be happy because she's just not going to be the person that she was before. Also, he doesn't know which bits were acting and which bits were real. So He's just assuming. He's definitely assuming that one. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the second lesson, the second lesson that I learned was a great basis for a long lasting relationship is using each other to further yourself at work. <laughs> well, we've all seen that in, in our professional careers. <laughs> That's definitely worked for some people. I mean, JLo did it last time. Yeah. Hey. Kate Hudson does it this time. I mean, there's a lot of similarities between these two movies, not in the least that there's a Matthew McConaughey delivery of something randomly Southern sounding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it work, it's working for Jerry Hall. So, you know, we can just... <laughs> Did you learn any lessons, Danny? I'm trying to think from a man's point of view, it definitely comes down to uh, don't have mates. They're useless. They're just, you know, <laughs> there's no point listening to any other human dudes. Uh, take my shirt off more at work. That was a... Yes. Well, I mean, we didn't talk about this, but that's not yeah. appropriate, is it? No. It's, it's, not, it's not appropriate. No. There's going to be some miser in that office who, like, files a sexual harassment suit against him shortly. Yeah. Uh, if, <laughs> if I'm involved in a really, really high stakes bet, no one questions my marketing taglines like, frost yourself. Um <laughs> Because there's other things to, to consider, so you can just get away with shit. I like that. I don't know. Do you reckon that was a wink from the writers? Because it's like he yells out the window, women of New York, go frost yourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was that sort of I'm going to use that instead of like, go fuck yourself for now on. Yeah. Hashtag. Oi, mate, go frost yourself. <laughs> hashtag go frost yourself if you want to contact us this week on uh, the Twitters. Yeah. If you liked it. Say yeah. you liked it. If you hated it, tell us to go frost ourselves. Yeah. But look, the main, the main thing that I, I think I learned from this from a guy's point of view is basically get an awesome family to get you laid. That was really just, mm. you know, that... Well, that's their function in your life, right? And that was the turning point. <laughs> so, you know, I'll be having a word with my mum about things to say to women uh, and also making, Excellent. Sh making sure that the laundry room is clean. So it is... Well, I mean, you do have a partner. So based on the last movie we looked into, you should be going on more dates, really. <laughs> Oh, there's so many things that we're going to learn. And, and yeah, I'm just going to say this here. I am thinking about making some video essays about 
the things that we learn from each movie, or I might not. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll stay tuned <laughs> to, to see whether or not I get around to doing it. But, you know, there might be something there. Um, but, look, at the end of the day, you really love this film, right? You've said this before and you've said this to me before. I love this as, like, a good example of a rom-com that has, like, slightly more developed characters and that has like a woman in it that isn't totally lame. Like she's pretty funny. She's got a good sense of humor. She's not obsessed with trying to get married or trying to get a man. She's doing this for a bit of fun and then she accidentally falls in love, which is kind of nice, I suppose. Um, And I just think that there are enough like winks at the female audience sort of going, we know this isn't real life. Like, it's just a bit of fun. This is a bit of escapism. Whereas I did feel like, you know, the wedding planner, there's no winks at the audience here. You're just meant to take everything as is. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And there's no light and shade in the wedding. Well, I was going to say wedding singer, but wedding planner. And, <laughs> <laughs> but how? To, like, there's flaws in the characters. They're interesting characters. So uh, I really liked it. They're, like I said, the first, the setup is painful. And once they get there... The whole middle period, the whole middle bit of when they're just up there, the challenge of of trying to outwit each other is really, really great. And then the end is the same sudden ending that every single one of these films, I'm assuming, has. So, (laughs) yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I really enjoyed it. So I'll be posting more stuff on our little website about this. But is there anything else? Any final thoughts on this film, Bianca? Okay, final thoughts. The only problem, like the one one thing that kind of stuck out for me about this movie was when they sat through the Celine Dion concert, right? And he talks yes. to his mates and he's like, he's, yeah. So she, she convinces him to go to this Celine Dion concert. And he goes to his mates, that's what true love is all about. So for me, this whole movie really just tells me doing things you hate and being unhappy that's what true love is about. I mean, that's a beautiful lesson for us to learn. And on that note, that's a wonderful place to end that our review for <laughs> How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Uh, yes, Bianca, do you want to tell people what our next film is going to be? Well, the next film is going to be Failure to Launch with all women's uh, style icon and rom-com style guru, SJP, other known, otherwise known as Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> Okay, I didn't realise that that was an abbreviation that that was in that, but uh, okay, I've learned something. Oh, well, it's going to come up next podcast, so you better learn it. (laughs) I've I've got some time to to study up. Uh, Bianca, where can people find more of your work on the internet this week? Uh, Well, you can head to thesecondrow.com.au or Instagram and Twitter at underscore thesecondrow. What about you? Uh, And you can find me on at Twitter and Instagram and at yowami.com. So yowami is my handle. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We, uh, we really enjoyed that film. And join us next time for another romantic comedy. Yeah.